Now, Dave Chappelle is uh, long well established now. There's a, it's almost a career path now where you can come out and do a lot of stuff and then sit back for 10, 15 years. And then when you come back again, you're suddenly worth a fortune. Um, Dave Chappelle made his name in a few films, but mainly through The Chappelle Show, which stands up very well today. And from the fact that he bailed on season three of The Chappelle Show and vanished from the landscape entirely, he was very upset with studio interference and what was required of him to make these shows. He didn't want to play ball, uh, and he just basically vanished, hardly being seen outside of the odd endeavour. Up until the modern era where his kudos levels were through the roof, he hadn't hung around to do too much damage to it. And um, the era of Netflix is giving these stand-up comedians obscene amounts of money. Um, <coughs> excuse me, I, if you can't hear the nasaliness, I'm not exactly doing well. <coughs> oh dear. Talking on the radio helps when you've got a cold and you can't really speak. Um, he came back with four Netflix specials where he's paid $20 million a show. Um, and I reviewed those a few years ago. They were spread over about four years, the recording of them. So he continued to do stand-up, but not making a big deal out of it. And I thought they were really good. I thought um, I thought they were good. I thought they were wide-ranging and quite stimulating, lots of interesting topics. He was also pulled up a lot for um, controversial opinions about certain things. Uh, he's released his latest. Well, he did um, The Age of Spin, Deep in Heart, Texas, Equanimity and The Bird Revelation, which was the oddest of the four. Um, but I think I gave them cumulatively an 8 out of 10. They're all worth a watch. Um, particularly maybe the first three are really good. Um, he's come back with Dave Chappelle's Sticks and Stones, which is only a week or two weeks old and has engendered enormous controversy. Uh, for a long time on Rotten Tomatoes, it had a 0% rating. And that's all down to how offensive the material was deemed to be. Um, it's lifted up to about 17% or something now. Um, it's the shortest of, I think it's the shortest at just over an hour of the stand-ups he's done. And he got an enormous amount of stick for, well, being a, in a post-Me Too slash acceptance era for continuing to double down and hammer home on some very controversial subject matter. Now, I'm firmly in the camp that 80% of the subject matter that he was pulled up for in this new Netflix special is not worth the controversy. So uh, the famous one that made all the newspapers, he came out and said that he doesn't think that the two guys in the recent Michael Jackson documentary are telling the truth he doesn't think that michael did it he thinks they're lying if you actually watch it he says that in service of the routine i don't think you leave that seg segment of the routine thinking that he genuinely believes any of that he's setting up the jokes for that sequence which are often very funny and provoking and um i thought that whole sequence was actually really well done uh, and he makes jokes about, um, you know, they were lucky because it was Michael Jackson, how he is sure that Michael Jackson didn't do it because he would have surely have gone for Macaulay Culkin first and, and makes a big thing about how, you know, he would have been the pedo's number one target in the whole world. How how can you believe Michael Jackson would have done this if he never went near Macaulay Culkin? All sounds terrible. 
when you say it like that. And it sounds worse when you lift out the sentences and print them in newspapers. But it's all in the it's all in service of the jokes. It's not actually. Um, I didn't find that offensive. I found it actually really very funny. Um, he's got an enormous amount of stick for his treatment of transgender people. There's more weight to that. So he got into he's got into stick about the Me Too movement and also about his treatment of gay and transgender people. And here it's uh, with the gay and transgender thing. It's 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 fifty fifty because he does this sequence which is actually fairly clever, which is about how LGBT people are not one group, but they're a collection of individual movements all traveling in the same car. And it's a relatively clever sequence because he does go in about, you know, the gays are driving because they've got white men amongst the gays, therefore they understand the, the roads to getting past prejudice because they built it. And then you've got the lesbians sitting next to the gays and they don't like each other very much, but they both like each other compared to the bisexual people in the back seat. And it comes around to the transgender people where he said, <coughs> makes a, a point like... They all respect the tea, but they kind of resent the tea because it's going to take them twice as long to get where they're wanting to go, which I thought was a pretty clever joke. Um, but then he, his only massive stumble, I thought, on the whole thing was when he does the transgender people. I would have said that about the previous ones as well. Um, he engaged with the whole topic of his offensive opinions about transgender people a lot better, I thought, on the other ones here. He descends it into a joke about um, I identify as a Chinese person, which has no bearing on the issue. So it was kind of like that was a falsehood. Uh, this is an area where comedians struggle. It's nowhere near as bad as Ricky Gervais's recent humanity stand-up, where he did a long bit about Caitlyn Jenner, which was probably the least funny stuff that he's done in his whole career. And if you're going to be trying to be funny about transgender issues... You've got to be funny. If you're not, it is just offensive. I thought that was the one area where I would agree that Chappelle, I don't know about overstep the mark, just missing it. <clears throat> I just don't think that he he came up with a very good point there. Um, along the way, there are a lot more interesting elements to the show. I thought another really clever part, or at least um, a good part of the show, was when he was saying about the opioid epi epidemic. He lives in Ohio, and he goes through this big thing about... You know, I live in Ohio. There's lots of poor white people there. If there's one thing that poor white people love, it's heroin. And he goes into this thing about how he feels like the black community now understands the white community, how they felt during the crack epidemic of the 1980s, because he doesn't care either. And I thought that was pretty good, the way that he's just basically saying, best of luck, white people, just say no. And I thought all of that was pretty well done. He touches on gun control as well. Um, he even mentioned he even leads with Anthony Bourdain's suicide, which is another good skit. He does a he does a good skit about how basically how people with the best life you could ever imagine might not be doing so well behind the scenes because he's got a friend that was uh, at school and is now the manager of Foot Locker, dressed in a referee's outfit, and it's never crossed his mind to kill himself. And it's, it makes a good wider point. Um, I thought it was the tightest of the stand-ups that he's done. I thought that it was, um, it's definitely the shortest, but I thought that it was um, probably the most focused of the stand-ups he's done. And uh, the whole Smollett, Jesse Smollett, the actor that 
claimed to have been beaten up in the street occupies the final sort of part of the the story which is um another bit that's very funny and very well done so i don't think that it was that offensive he gets accused of punching down all the time in this which he probably does um but i thought that most of the stuff that has offended people was in service of the joke and if you lift out the sentences that are lead-ons to a wider five-minute sequence of jokes then it looks terrible but that's not really what happens um the only part that i had a problem with was uh, a very small part of the transgender thing which i think that he's got a bit of form here um but overall i thought it was a funny uh, engaging um it's interesting the audience response is vastly superior to the critic response um he does a me too movement thing again um and he's not unsuccessful when he's tackling of it i don't think he goes through the whole louis ck thing um and i didn't think that that was really that offensive i didn't i wasn't bothered by any of it um i didn't think he uh that he um he he also engage he sort of says you know I, the one thing I said a few years ago is that the way you're going about it will lead to a backlash um, where you now see these very restrictive abortion things being pushed through in America and so on and to a degree he's right I don't know if it's that simple but um to a degree there has been a massive backlash from the conservative right towards these Me Too movements and towards LGBT issues and so on. Um, but I thought, I don't know, the only other thing I'd say about the previous four specials is they were a bit more wide-ranging uh, and a bit more detailed, whereas this is quite compact. But for an hour of comedy, he's still got it. He's still got one of the best deliveries of a stand-up, um, which is, I think, 80% of being a stand-up isn't material, it's your delivery. And he's got one of the best deliveries of all time as far as stand-up goes. It's very offensive if you're... Um, if you're sort of subject to being uh, a little bit appalled by racial language or swearing, <clears throat> I was going to play you a clip because I've got it on my laptop. I don't think there's a sentence in the entire hour where he doesn't use the N word or the F word. It's very strong on that level, and you just don't, and, and and you can get this vibe from him. He just doesn't care, and they're paying him twenty million dollars for each special. Every time he comes out and does an hour-long special, they pay him twenty million. He's got eighty million out of Netflix for the last sort of two years of work. Amazing stuff. So I'm going to give exactly the same score as I gave to the previous four. Um, like I said, they're longer individual ones, and you get into a bit more depth. This is like the greatest hits of what's going on in the world right now, but often very funny. Uh, and sometimes very clever as well. So I'm going to give Dave Chappelle Sticks and Stones an 8 out of 10. Now, Jamila Woods, her first album, I absolutely adored, and I thought it was better.